And we are live according to what YouTube is telling me here. Let me go online and check it for myself, but as far as I can tell, it looks like we are being live here, and we are going to be doing this for New Year's. This is our New Year's edition of the Sensibly Speaking podcast. This is episode number 227, and I just said, screw it, I'm going live, and I'm just going to do it this way. And it's not to solicit a whole bunch of questions from you guys, because this is not a Q&A episode. Um, this is to do a year in review, and I thought, well, what's the hell, let's just, let's just throw it up here live, and let's just do it this way, and maybe I'll get some feedback as we go. Um, I've made, <laughs> oh boy, a lot of notes about the, the, the last year and what we have been, uh, what we just experienced, and it was a lot. You know, 2019 was a big year for me, a big year for some, um, uh, some things that happened in my life personally, uh, which I'll tell you a little bit about, and I'll be completely vague about some other things. <laughs> um, but it was uh, it was good for th- it was a good year. It was a good year, and for uh, Scientology watching, it was an interesting year. There were there were some very interesting bombshells and stories this year, and some things that only on review, only in uh, looking back at this last year. Do I see things in a little bit of a different perspective on a couple of the stories and stuff? So what I did is, um, hey, everybody who's coming on here, welcome and happy new year. Uh, I'll probably interrupt myself a few times to wish everybody who's coming on here a, a happy new year. Um, and I, like I said, very excited about this new 2020 and what it's going to bring. I'll talk a little bit about that at the at the end of this whole thing, um, but I've uh, I've prepared a lot of stuff to go over just to kind of talk about what happened in 2019. Um, boy, okay, and here are folks coming on board here. Yeah, crappy year for Scientology. That is that is true. It was. So okay, let's just go ahead and go back to the beginning of 2019 and walk forward through it and see what we see. You know, you'll be, you might be reminded, some of you, of some of these stories. When, oh, my God, that was then. You know, oh, that was at this time, you know, in relation to things. And um, it certainly, I certainly had that reaction going through some of this. And what I did is I went through Tony Ortega's blog, because he did a great blow-by-blow, month-by-month breakdown of what happened this last year, as he is uh, always does at this time. And so I just uh, shamelessly am, you know, cut and pasting from some of his content in terms of reading some of the news stories to you guys. Um, I'm not trying to steal any thunder from Tony at all. That's why I did this after he published his stuff. But um, I took from there, I also went through my channel, and looked at some things that we talked about on my channel this year, because we talked about some pretty amazing and interesting stuff. And I looked at last year this time, a year ago, what was I saying to you guys? And I went back to that podcast, and I saw that I had made a pretty big production out of talking about, you know, the expansion of my channel beyond uh, the, the just the topic of Scientology. And I uh, think I did a pretty... Um, good year this year. I think I accomplished some pretty good goals. And uh, I noticed Fred is commenting here. Uh, this is a very odd time. It's 1 a.m. on my side. I know Fred. 
Uh, I the circumstances kind of created this to happen at this time, and it wasn't a strategic move on my part to do the uh, live stream at this particular moment uh, to uh, give you a hard time or not give you a hard time. <laughs> I just uh, just started uh, just uh, came on, and this is when it worked out to do this. Okay, so uh, okay, yes, thanks for all the New Year's wishes, guys, and right back at you. So okay, so let's get to it. So 2019, January, the aftermath, Scientology in the aftermath is still airing at the beginning of this last year, and it was still going great guns on season three. The, by the way, Emmy-nominated season three, uh, I don't think it um, won, uh, it got an Emmy for second season, but anyway, nominated all three seasons, and at the beginning, there was an episode I wanted to uh, remind you guys of because it highlighted something that I said Later, during the Clearwater, remember a few months ago, the whole Clearwater thing? And uh, how they had bought up all this downtown property and stuff? Well, um, we talked then about how the police of Clearwater are 100% on Scientology's payroll. They'll do whatever Scientology tells them to do. Basically, I think that's true. Um, maybe there's the odd exception here and there. But Leah actually started 2019 calling these guys out. Because if you remember, they did a video for Aftermath with her, Mike Rinder, and Mark Bunker. And Mark Bunker, of course, is now running for city council in Clearwater. And they were sitting in a park, and I think it was adjoined to or somehow connected with Scientology property. And Scientology called them, and, um, and uh, the police came. And not just one car, like three or four cars, if I remember right. And... Um, uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Lori, for your comment there. Uh, Trying not to get distracted by the comments on this one, even though I am doing this one live. Okay, so Leah shows up there, and there are all these cops showing up, and they start hassling her, giving her a hard time. And Leah's like, hello. And she literally called out the police, the chief of police of the Clearwater uh, Police Force and said, you guys are just 100% on Scientology's payroll. And he even issued a public statement saying, no, we're not. Chief Slaughter, <laughs> but they are, they absolutely are, uh, and it's 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 shameful. The Clearwater Police should be ashamed of themselves for the way that they kowtow to any of Scientology's demands. It's really quite, quite not okay. Uh, all joking aside, they really need to get their shit together. Uh, now, also, you might remember I had forgotten about this in January of 2019. A 16-year-old boy was taken into custody after he was accused of knifing two Scientology guards in Sydney, Australia. Remember that? His mom was there doing services, and he went in there, and he had a knife, and he started stabbing, and he killed somebody. Uh, crazy, right? Absolutely nuts. And I will always take this opportunity uh, to say I do not endorse violence in any way against Scientologists. I do not want that. That is not productive for us. Going around hassling Scientologists, giving them a hard time, completely not what you should be doing. It's not helpful. It's not helpful to them. It's not, in the end, going to be helpful to you, especially if they call the police. So, um, okay. So this happened in, Aus in Australia last year, and that was pretty crazy. And we still don't know anything about that, except that the, the kid, you know, there was a fatal knife attack. And um, they even tried to lay the blame for it on Leah Remini in the show, even though there's really no substantive evidence that, that that would be the case. 
Another thing that we saw this last year, and it was only, in, again, in, in connecting some dots on Tony's blog and, and in the media that I could see there was this pattern, and it was an interesting one of elder abuse on the part of the Church of Scientology, you know, sort of rapaciously going after the elderly, people who had put money on account or had bought a book or a service years and years and years ago, and Scientology has been going through their roles and calling all these people for years now and skip tracing them and tracking them down and saying, you know, calling them up and, hey, you did Scientology and aren't you still interested and it's all so great now and you should be part of it and people are like, get away from me. Well, there were three or four stories that ended up on Tony's blog this year about elders, people in their 70s and 80s, that Scientologists, Sea Org members, were going after to get their money from them. And they would literally fly out to where these people lived, just take control of their lives. I mean, these were single elderly people living alone. They, this, a Sea Org member shows up, says, give me your financials, give me your 1090s, give me your... Uh, what's your social security number? Let's go through all your stuff. Give me your credit card statements. Like this literally happened more than once. And these people were uh, coerced into getting new credit cards, signing off on documents to, or not. Sometimes Scientology just, just, you know, was doing credit card fraud and they charged these guys thousands and thousands of dollars. And these people ended up going to an attorney named Graham Berry, great guy in Los Angeles, Old school OG, you know, Scientology critic, and uh, and and somebody who's actually taken on Scientology in the court, and um, and he talked about this one woman in January uh, who was 82 years old who had to sneak out of her hotel in L.A. They had flown her out there at 4 a.m. to get back home to the Midwest, and she was sixty thousand uh, dollars less rich, poorer from the from that. And Granberry uh, got her connected up with some law enforcement, and they I think they got her money back. Um, that came out in January, and that was the first of what would end up being about three or four different cases of that. So Scientology has been noted throughout this last year, and even into tw- in 2018, I think, is when we started hearing about how at Scientology events... They're not so rapaciously going after everybody for their money, right? They're not the vultures aren't swirling around everybody and coming down on them. And so at the events, it seems to be that things are a little looser and not so high pressure. But we see stories like this that tell us that where the pressure is now going to even harder is finding isolated people who have money, who they can go after and rip them off for their credit. And if they get caught, oh, we're so sorry, and they give it back. And if they don't get caught, cha-ching, 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 right? And that's how Scientology operates. And it, remember what I always say about this. You know, Scientology, at the end of the day, is really a money-making scam. And that's it. That's what it is. That's all it is. Uh, okay. Let's continue on this yearly trek here. And uh, somebody's mentioning... Um, uh, on the live streams that they're coming in only on the left ear. I will look into my settings to see if there's something I'm doing wrong for the next time. I, I can't change it midstream right now because uh, I don't know why that is, but I will look into that. Um, 
Okay, let's carry on. Now, also in January, it, you know, I said that I had a great year this year as far as expanding my content beyond the world of Scientology, and I really did. I'm very, very proud of some of the work that I put up this last year. However, I'm also going to highlight some of the Scientology content I put up because there was some good stuff this year, starting in January with a woman named Bree Mood who I interviewed, she had just blown from the Sea Org like two months before she contacted me. I mean, it was very fast. She randomly found me on Reddit, of all places, and we talked at length about her Sea Org career, about what was going on in the Sea Org. You know, the Sea Org is, um, I've been out for seven, eight years now, right? I mean, wow, coming up on eight now. Um, yeah, I guess seven solid years because it was the end of 2012 when I left. So, you know, things change. Uh, Scientology is going to continue to operate the way that I know it operates and according to its DNA, which, you know, is, is not changing over these years. But the specifics of what happens do. And Bree updated us on some fascinating things, including the first time, I think, anywhere that this piece of news came out that not only were they continuing to enforce abortions on pregnant Sea Org women, um, but that they were now, if a woman got pregnant twice and had to go get an abortion twice, then the handling was that the husband was forced to go get a vasectomy. And that's permanent. That is uh, the end of your reproductive activities for the rest of your life. And that is, oh, thanks, Cynthia. Um, for that super chat. Really appreciate that. So, um, okay. So, let's see. What do we got here? Yes, it is. Sorry, just getting, just checking the comments. Okay, so, um, so that little business about the vasectomies was new and very, very disturbing. And let me be clear about this because, um, you know, I am a an advocate for women's rights and for women to, and for bodily autonomy. I want women to, to be able to have the right to do what they want with their body in the same way as a male, I expect to be able to do what I want with my body. I don't want people dictating to me through laws and regulations what I must and must not do. Um, and then when it comes to abortion, if a, if, a, if a woman gets pregnant, it is her body, it is her decision as to whether she's going to carry that baby to term. And that is my position on that. Um, and if she wants to abort it, I don't have a problem with that. When an authoritarian group that somebody is part of starts demanding that they are the ones who get to say or not say whether you, you know, what, what's what with your reproductive rights, whether you're going to or not going to have a kid because it's the greatest good as far as Scientology is concerned that you abort that child, even though it has nothing to do with the greater good. Because Scientology is not about the greater good. It's about making money. So it's all just lies on top of lies on top of lies. And when the Sea Org members are being forced into this position, and I have, I have been through that process myself. I, my wife and I, when, when I was in the Sea Org, my ex-wife, she got pregnant. We had to abort, you know. So um, that was awful. It was terrible. And it was something that um, I would not wish on anybody. That experience, and I'm de I'm horribly ashamed of of the fact that I went along with that. So so I'm I'm rabidly against it, right? And I just want to say that loud and clear. Um, yeah, vasectomy. I see your guys' comments. Yes, a vasectomy is is reversible, but come on, 
at what expense, at what cost, at what trouble. I mean, you know, you kind of get the point here that it's fairly permanent. Bree, by the way, um, thanks for asking, is doing great. She is still in Minnesota, and she's living life, and she's doing great. We're friends on Facebook, and I keep in touch with her. So that interview happened in January. So now let's carry on here and get around this year. We're going to be here all night. Um, that, okay, we also did a nice interview with Dylan Gill at the end of January. And Dylan, you may remember, was from the Church of Spiritual Technology the only person who's come out from the Church of Spiritual Technology. And I highly recommend you guys check that out. Oh, hey, thank you for that super chat. Woo, live stream. All right. Um, Dylan, the, so the Church of Spiritual Technology is one of three a sort of triumvirate of organizations that basically compose what we understand as the core of the what we know as the Church of Scientology. There's RTC, Religious Technology Center. There's CSI, which is Church of Scientology International, and their CST, Church of Spiritual Technology. And um, they were um, uh, tasked with the, the target of getting all of L. Ron Hubbard's written and spoken words preserved in a medium that would survive nuclear holocaust and be reproducible and playable by people who did not even understand the language so that they could learn it and could learn Scientology. This was the task. This was the mandate. And CST has been working on that and has spent millions and millions of dollars building underground vaults to store all this stuff in. Dylan came from that organization. He was privy to its confidential um, policies and uh, guidelines from Hubbard. We talked about that at length, actually, in two podcasts in January and February. So, yeah, corporate scam. That's right. Uh, also in February now, we ended in an interview with Katrina Reyes of Scientology, a Sea Org survivor who had been human trafficked from Russia. And she had quite the, the fascinating story. We broke all that down. Um, also in February, you know, this year was the year I got to do some of the content that I had been kind of building up for years. And this was a very productive year for me. You know, I had a lot of attention on not getting that goddamn metering video done, and I am, and I'm still going to get it done. But I was looking back at this year and realized that I put out some really good and important stuff. And one of them was the Scientology training podcast, where I just sat and downloaded for about two and a half hours on what Scientology training is actually like, the nitty-gritty details of it, all the down and dirty of what happens when you walk into a Scientology classroom, what, what do the supervisors do, what are, the, what are word clears, what's up with the dictionaries, all of it. Laid it all out. And I was really, really happy to get that one done. And I think I think that was one of the better ones out there. Um, February was also a year by the, a month, by the way, that I personally, my wife and I, took off social media entirely. We just stopped with no more Facebook, Google or uh, uh, Twitter. I wasn't really even looking. I, ha- I had to stay on YouTube. I had to keep the I had to look at your comments for questions. But otherwise, we were not doing any social media. And that, talk about the month of like, uh, <laughs> that was a month where we chilled out. And that was a really, really good exercise. I highly recommend doing that if you get if you have the opportunity or chance or, or can do that. I took it off my phone. And I made the mistake a couple months after of putting Facebook and Twitter back on my phone. And I and I gradually kind of fell back into some bad habits. And I think it was October or November of this year that I, I got rid of that again. 
and have chilled my life again. And I'm not totally off social media by any means. I love social media. I have to share my work with you guys, and I use it for uh, sharing articles and information and and, uh, educational points about critical thinking and cults and stuff. I tweet stuff out all the time, for example, or post stuff on Facebook. But I also... I also take advantage of social media to share my dad jokes. <laughs> and this uh, book, by the way, is something Melissa got me for Christmas. So this ensures that we will continue in the dad, bad dad joke genre throughout 2020. Oh, hey, thanks, JS, for that super chat there. Hey, John. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming by. Uh, all right. So let's carry on. Um, February was also the month we got to see Scientology's new Super Bowl ad, and guess what? It looked exactly the same. Whoa! Hey, thank you, Thomas, for that very generous super chat. Awesome. Thank you so much. Wow, this is great. Um, okay, Super Bowl ad, yeah, no big deal. We also saw, I wanted to, I wanted to, to bring this one up because I thought you guys would be interested. Scientology's, this is a quote from Tony's blog, Scientology's efforts to attack Leah Remini included a letter supposedly written by a prominent Los Angeles clergy figure and USC faculty member. But that backfired when USC claimed the letter was a fake. And I thought that was interesting only because it highlights the fact that, you know, despite years of going after Leah, despite years of exposure, on my channel, through Leah, through all the things that we're, that, that, that Tony's blog, all the other YouTubers who do what they do, right? We're all collectively, you know, this critic world. Despite all of us exposing these guys to the levels that we have, they still play, you know, at, at Keystone Cop level. It was faking letters from USC faculty to take down Leah Remini. I mean, you know, come on, guys. Let's, let's graduate up to the big time, you know? Um, hey, no, it's, oh, S-E-K, I get it. Swedish currency, cool. Um, okay, and then, I still appreciate it. And then also in February, oh, this was interesting. This was a little precursor. We didn't recognize this at the time. But in February, Beck divorced Marissa Rabisi. And the Rabisi clan is a, is a whole Scientology family. They've been in Scientology for two or three generations now. Beck married into that family. And remember, Beck was also a second-gen Scientologist. His father, I believe, is music composer David Campbell. So um, Beck divorced. So apparently February is when he actually split from Scientology. Remember, later this year, I think it was August or September, he said publicly that he was not a Scientologist and made it out as though... He'd always not been a Scientologist, or it was, you know, it was never a thing for him or something, which I thought was, and Leah was not impressed, and uh, frankly, neither was I. I was, I was glad that he finally said it publicly, but, um, you know, could have done a lot more there. It was a real missed opportunity. March, and we come up with another big uh, podcast data dump of, of sorts here on this channel, which was uh, me working with Sonny Pereira to talk about Scientology auditing and case supervising. And this is where we broke down. Um, I broke down all the training. In this podcast with Sonny, we broke down the auditing side. And we really went you know, into the details of how auditing is delivered in Scientology. If you have ever wondered about it, that is the podcast for you. We were very, very thorough. And I was very, very happy with that podcast. 
This was around the same time that the uh, L. Ron Hubbard birthday event happened in Clearwater, Florida. And this was this was a highlight to another interesting thing that through some dot connecting, you see something's happening in the world of Scientology that we did not particularly notice at the time. And that is two things. One, there's um, more Scientology celebrities are moving to Clearwater than, uh, than we'd, I had particularly noticed before. And they are, there's a sort of uh, letting the world know that their kids are, um, oh, thanks, Joyce. And Mad Matt, thank you very much for for you guys. Uh, just joking, I'm so out TRs, I know. <laughs> thank you very much for that super chat. Um, so the celebrities are showing up in Clearwater, and they are showing up at the events more often, including the LRH birthday event, and I'm specifically referring to Tom Cruise and John Travolta, who have not necessarily been prominently showing up at these events uh, routinely, but now they are. Erica Christensen, others, including... A man I did not know a whole lot about until this year, a man named John Cole, C-O-A-L-E. Maybe it's Kowal Cole. This is Greta Van Susteren's husband. He's a retired attorney. He's involved in politics. Greta Van Susteren, of course, used to be on CNN. Now she's, I don't know what she's doing, but she's a, she's a uh, media personality out there, prominent. She's a Scientologist, OT Scientologist, so is her husband. They don't talk about it hardly ever, but um, John Cole's definitely active out there, and um, and according to Tony's reporting, we've got Travolta, Kirstie Alley, and Cruz all purchasing properties, residences in Clearwater, and showing up at these events. And not only are the celebrities showing up at the events, but their kids are now prominently showing up in the public eye as Scientologists, too. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think there's something, uh, I think this was very purposeful. I think that 2019 showed some behind-the-scenes loyalty pledges that Cruz and uh, Travolta had to make back to Scientology and show in some kind of public way that they were still fully on board and supportive of the cause. And so this is why they show up at these events. And this is also why in March, Isabella Cruz's training success story was leaked out of London Org showing that she was 100% on board with Scientology. And it was this big, long success, and it read just like every other Scientology success story, nothing particularly noteworthy about it, except that it was Tom Cruise's daughter who had written it. Um, now, also in March was the Brian Sattler uh, death. This is, this is so weird. This is the second time that somebody has come onto a Scientology property in Los Angeles and with a samurai sword and gotten killed. Right? It happened at Celebrity Center years ago with a guy uh, showing up with two samurai swords and a private security guard shot and killed him because the man was obviously threatening. And here, Brian Sattler, 30 years old, drives up in a white Bentley to the Inglewood Church of Scientology and threatens people with a samurai sword until the police show up and fatally shoot him. And here we are a year later, and we know nothing else about that. The police have not released one further word than we got practically on day one. We don't know who that guy was. We don't know what he was upset about. We don't know why he showed up at the church. Um, and Scientology has not obviously been forthcoming on any of this either. Okay, so let's move on. We saw, uh, oh yeah, March also saw, of course, Scientology trying to um, ride the, the 
public sentiment against uh, psych- of school shootings against psychiatry, right? And there's uh, there's some good and bad up and down on that as far as uh, you know some validity to some of Scientology's arguments against psychiatry. I'm not saying that they have no case whatsoever that psychiatry is wonderful and Scientology is you know horrible and awful. Oh, thank you for that super chat. Awesome. Fishman out of jail. <laughs> I'd love to talk to Fishman. That would be an interesting interview. That would be interesting. Uh, okay, anyway, so CCHR, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, trying to uh, take out psychiatry. And in fact, you're going to love this. This was awesome. I thought you guys might might find this interesting. I found this on Tony's blog again. Um, I have spoken, hey, Germany. <laughs> I have spoken about CCHR, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights, at some length on this channel. This is the Scientology front group that's responsible for taking out psychiatry. That's their job. That's their whole job. Take out psychiatry. So would you like to know how they plan on doing that? Because they do have a plan. <laughs> okay. Um, there was a booklet that was released at the uh, at an event in in April, and they got a copy of it. And it, the booklet was called "Psychiatry: Global Annihilation." Okay, global annihilation. They're going to take out psychiatry. How are they going to do it? Step one: I am reading to you from the exact words of the uh, global annihilation booklet. Step one. Continue to saturate the planet with the truth about psychiatry through the Psychiatry and Industry of Death Museum and traveling exhibits circling the globe. Okay, so what's this all about? Well, in brief, they have this Industry of Death Museum in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard where you can walk in and be shown in three dimensions all the horrors of, uh, you know, 18th and 19th century uh, psychiatry and how awful it all is. Hey, thank you for that super chat. Woo! Um, that was uh, Celtic Gunner. Okay, good. Thanks, man. Um, they also have a traveling exhibit where they take around to they go around to civic centers or convention halls or something, and they set up this traveling display of how bad psychiatry is, and they want people to tour it, and they keep count of how many people tour. So imagine for a second that step one is saturating the planet with this. Okay, you guys ever heard of this? You ever seen it in your towns? I doubt it. I haven't. So um, so these guys travel with this stuff. Uh, you know, maybe they do maybe they do a hundred stops. And in a hundred stops, they talk to a hundred people at each stop, right? So what's that? Ten thousand? That's not saturating the planet, folks, <laughs> at all. But notice the language. Step one is continue to saturate the planet with the truth about psychiatry. This is written by Scientologists for Scientologists. So they want them to think that they're already saturating the planet, and they're just going to keep doing that. So that's step one. Step two Broadly enlighten with airplay of both CCHR's public service announcements and its powerful documentaries. Okay, basically show PSAs and documentaries. And they have the documentaries Psychiatry and Industry of Death, Making a Killing, The Marketing of Madness, and including a, a, a documentary called Dead Wrong. Yeah, I'll say they're dead wrong. <laughs> Step three, activate the broad public, creating an army of psych busters 
with wide-ranging saturation print and internet ads, mass mailings of materials, and the Marketing of Madness education package. How would you like to receive the Marketing of Madness education package? I'd love to get that. All right. Um, Cool. Thank you, guys. Uh, Great great comments here as we're going along. Uh, So the result of these three steps are supposed to be a world without psychiatry, free of psychiatric influence and suppression. (laughs) Okay, now, did you guys ever watch South Park? Uh, You remember the underpants gnomes? That's what this made me think of, because I thought that these three steps were so wholly inadequate to accomplish much of anything, but I thought I'd read them out to you as boring and nonsensical as they are, because I thought you'd appreciate how ridiculous this is the actual planning these guys are doing. This is what Scientologists actually think is going to take out psychiatry is they're going to show a bunch of DVDs, travel around with this museum, and somehow psychiatry is going to fall to its knees. So it reminded me of the underpants gnomes, because if you remember from South Park, uh, the the underpants gnomes had the the goal of making a lot of money, profiting, right? We're going to make all this money. How are we going to do it? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to collect everybody's underpants. And we're not quite sure what step two is, but step three is profit, right? And I just thought that uh, went right along with this. Yeah. Exactly. Step two, question, question, question. Step three, profit. And I think that makes about as much sense as Scientology's plans. And just to really highlight it, not only does Scientology tell Scientologists how they're going to annihilate psychiatry, they also are telling them in four simple steps how they're going to take over the world. Seriously. The only thing that really bothered me about reading this was thinking back to one of the time when I actually used to think that this made sense and was going to work. <laughs> so, okay, this is called Scientology Global Infusion. And I just, I just have to give this to you guys. Um, step one, continue to air the Scientology ads, new and existing, on primetime network TV in the U.S. and around the world. Now, I don't have cable, but I do, I do watch primetime TV through the airwaves here at home, and I have not once seen a Scientology ad here in Colorado. And um, we've got an ideal org here, so if they were saturating the markets with Scientology ads, I would have thought that I would have seen at least one of them by now. I'll tell you where I do see Scientology ads on my videos. <laughs> and I think that's awesome. Step two, launch a flanking internet advertising campaign. Ah, thus the ads on my videos. To drive people to Scientology.org with ads placed on high-visibility news and culture sites and web locations frequented by publics searching for answers. So, sure, put all those ads on my channel and watch what watch them all flock to Scientology.org, right? Step three, drive millions to... Meet a Scientologist on Scientology.org with internet video ads tailored to particular interests, professions, and demographics. And in case you guys aren't clear on this, Scientology, um, yeah, global infusion, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Scientology has been creating since for, for over a decade, hundreds, maybe thousands of videos at this point of 
individual Scientologists talking anecdotes or things about their life or whatever and how they've used Scientology. And this is the Meet a Scientologist campaign. Probably the oldest campaign they've actually kept going continuously. And these videos are on their, their Scientology TV site. So one of these steps is to get people to watch these things because the idea is that you're supposed to get from these that Scientologists are regular Joes and Sues just like you and everybody else, right? And you're going, oh, well, Scientologists are cool. Maybe I should go to Scientology.org and check it out. And finally, step four. These are seriously the plans to clear the planet, right? Continue the ads, internet ads, meet a Scientologist ads. And one, this is step four. Once on the site, visitors find answers to all their questions. With 528 hours of online videos and some 98,000 pages of content, and lronhubbard.org at the center of it all. Okay, so they're supposed to go and get all their questions answered at the Scientology.org site. Well, I have debunked all the many of the answers at Scientology.org. And if I was going to Scientology.org looking for answers, I would be coming up empty-handed almost routinely because their questions, their answers are ridiculously uh, incomplete or just straight-up dishonest. So, but they believe that these four steps will result in LRH solutions spreading across the world at whole new orders of magnitude. Just word salad. <sighs> Another little... Another little look, another little microscopic look into the world of Scientology. Let's see, you guys are, uh, yeah, you guys are keeping up. This is great. Yeah, I don't watch enough Scientology TV, apparently. <laughs> or maybe that was somebody else. Uh, yeah, exactly. Ironically, you would need a psychiatrist after getting out of Scientology. All right, so let's get into May. We're, we're going great guns here. Now, May is when I launched a separate YouTube channel called Critical Clips. And I've posted 169 clip videos there so far. Monday through Friday, I post them, and um, that was that's a lot of fun. And that that's uh, that's a good channel there for you guys to subscribe to. This month is also when I got the great courses as a sponsor, so that was kind of cool. May is when we were stunned to learn that a California family had sued a Scientology rehab over a wrongful death, and after a trial, had been awarded 11 million dollars. Boom. That was a nice legal victory against Scientology. Um, one of the few, actually, because there are just there should be so many more. And Scientology just plays such hardball in the courts that it's they just drag it out for so long. But May was a real bombshell month because it was also a month that we learned that one of the New York Scientologist chiropractors that was indicted in an $80 million Medicare scam, well, he pled guilty. Cha-ching! He's going to jail. And uh, this was also... Okay, now remember the thing that I mentioned in uh, the past month about Isabella C uh, Cruz putting out a success story from her training? Well, not to be outdone, in May, um, it was Scientologist... Uh, where is it? Ella Bilou, John Travolta's daughter, who made a conspicuous visit to an awards ceremony at the Fort Harrison Hotel while wearing a Dianetics pin. Now, my take on that, there is no question that is a direct response from John Travolta and his family to Tom Cruise's daughter, right? Showing that his daughter's, his, his second gen, right? His family is loyal as well. 
These I don't think these public appearances are arranged things. I don't think that they're accidental or coincidental. And Tom Cruise, remember from my interview with Mark Headley, is not above threatening other celebrities uh, if they're not if they're not you know pulling freight and and coming up with the goods for Scientology and promoting it and disseminating it. So. I think there was some I think there was some behind the scenes pressure on all of that. May was also the month you might remember that there was a measles outbreak on the freeways. Oops. Their sailing ship, remember when that happened? Oh my god, that was awful. Uh, then we've got okay. Now May was also when Graham Barry dished on another story. This was the third case from this year. About uh, this man named Louis Stephen, who was 69, was targeted by the Church of Scientology, who ran up stunning debts on his credit cards that he didn't even want to open in the first place in order to purchase expensive Scientology courses that he didn't have any interest in taking. And, um, you know, so like I said, you might not see the rapacious regging going on at the events now. We keep hearing over the last year or year and a half how the sales. The, the vulture culture of sales at the events has gone way down. The pressure has gone way down. But this is, that the, the pressure has been transferred over to find people like Louis Stevens and just get his credit cards and just start banging him and just start taking his money. And if he complains, okay, we'll give him back some of his money. Okay, no harm, no foul. But how many of these people are complaining versus how many of them are not? Right? How much money is Scientology ripping off? And these are elder people. This is really sickening, right? These are people who are at the end of their lives. They're struggling to make ends meet for the most part. They've got good credit. Scientology comes along and ruins it for them. I mean, what the hell, man? And, you know, these are, this is just uh, elder abuse, straight up. And that is apparently what Scientology has decided to concentrate on for the last year in order to be making its routine week-to-week money while it still works over the whales for the big money. Uh, oh, thanks, Sarah. Thank you for that super chat there. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, so we've got... Uh, here's a direct quote, actually, from Tony's blog on this. Previously, quote, previously we told you about 75-year-old Ephraim LaGuerra, who was targeted in a similar scheme. Also an 82-year-old woman in the Midwest who said she had to escape in the middle of the night. That was the one from January. In April, we told you about Sean Henderson, another client similarly abused. All three were made whole by Barry after Graham Barry after he took their cases. Another person was refunded money before he could even get Barry involved. That's how quickly Scientology reacts now that they know Barry's on a case. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. So, so Graham Barry's been sticking up for these people and getting their money back, and good on him. He is, he definitely is somebody who deserves some respect. Um, but, you know, it just shows that these guys are still rapacious vultures, and they are still more interested in money than they are human rights or helping people. That is what that very, very clearly shows. Um, oh, yeah, the measles thing. Yeah, there was a measles. Somebody showed up uh, who had not been vaccinated from Europe on the free winds, and it got shut down and put under quarantine, and it was a tremendous flap for Scientology. Um, but it did not prevent them from doing their maiden voyage uh, summer cruise. Uh, they, they still pulled that off despite this. And, okay, May was also the month that I reviewed the movie The Master, the, that old Scientology-based uh, movie that everybody says is not based on Scientology, but totally is. 
I had a lot of fun doing that review. And also in May was when I did a podcast on the anti-Scientology cult, uh, which was kind of interesting and fun to do. And May was also the month, by the way, that I did a um, suicide prevention workshop, a two-day seminar workshop here in town, because I wanted to um, get myself more educated on how to deal with people in crisis and and people who are having uh, real mental problems. And um, and that was very, very helpful, very, very educational for me. I learned a lot about myself, about my wife, about everybody who suffers from depression or anxiety, and the resources, the number, sheer volume of resources that are out there for people. So then we come to June. Okay, now June was fun because June... Um, Oh, my God. Dead Space says, did you get laid at all last year? Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, I definitely did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, June, I got to fly out to L.A. to do the ass, to be on the Aftermath finale, and I couldn't say anything about it until it aired a, f- a few months later. But also, um, June was the month that we learned about this whole planned series of lawsuits that have now been being executed against Scientology, starting with the Valerie Haney lawsuit. So that was kind of fun. Um, (laughs) Okay. And also June was a month that I did uh, the podcast on GBP Capital. That's another flappy situation where a Scientologist, David Gentile, has, uh, is up to his eyeballs in corruption and, and fraud and is getting busted for it by the SEC and Jeffrey Augustine. And then Jeff Wassel later, I did two podcasts talking about that and breaking that whole thing down. Also, I uh, got to talk about Grant Cardone, one of my favorite uh, Scientologists. Ah, uh, what a scammer, that guy. July? Okay, let's see here. July is when we did, it, it got quiet. See, this was kind of funny. Scientology, there was all this Scientology news in May, and then June, July, it just got super, super quiet. I think Scientology really kind of, because of these lawsuits. And they just started uh, looking at, oh, God, where where's our exposure? Where are we at? What's going on? What's happening? And things got real quiet, right? So July is when I interviewed Marcy Hamilton, who is one of the attorneys uh, of record on those lawsuits, by the way, as well as somebody who knows all about prosecuting religious organizations. Uh, that was a fascinating interview. And that was and that was also the month that I did one of the most thorough breakdowns of what OSA, the Office of Special Affairs, is all about. And I, I interviewed Karen Della Carriere for that because she actually worked in OSA. And we talked all about it, how it operates, how it takes on legal threats, how it deals with PR. Um, for the Church of Scientology, the Office of Special Affairs, of course, being that branch of the Church of Scientology that deals with the dirty tricks, the legal, and um, the public relations. Okay, so we did about that. And then also in July, very, very special interview with Michael Krieger, a man who has lost his daughter to Scientology and is fighting to get her back. So uh, then... Let's see. Oh, yeah, August. Okay, August was a big deal for me, and I'm going to tell you why. I talked about this in the Q&A episode, and I think I might have mentioned it. In, I did. No, that's right. I did a whole podcast on this. And that was that August was the month that I realized, finally, finally realized, that saving the world <laughs> isn't everything it's cracked up to be and maybe isn't something I need to spend my time doing. 
uh, or trying to do because it's an impossible task and really um, just a way of, of controlling people and wrapping them up. It's, you know, improving the world, making a difference, doing your part. These are not futile efforts, and don't get me wrong. I think that, you know, we all play a part and have social responsibility, and we should see to, you know, the well-being of our fellow man. But this idea that you're personally going to save the world, right? I mean, I really started breaking this down because this had been one of the deepest points of indoctrination for me as a Scientologist. And imagine it took me seven years to finally kind of take a crowbar and get it out of there because I didn't realize for all those years how futile and damaging that goal can be, right? Save the world. I'm going to save the world. Okay, well, one, save it from what? Two, does the world want to be saved? Three, does the world even need to be saved, you know? Like, no, to all of those. So, you know, continually striving to push myself to do something that, well, basically what I was doing to myself was that old Greek curse of the man who was cursed to, you know, uh, push a rock up a hill all day. And then at the end of the night, the rock rolls back down and the next day he's got to push it back up. And then the next day he's got to do it again and again and again. That was pretty much my mental life the whole time I was holding on to that. And it was rough. And it was and it was hard, and it was very um, uh, it was very easy for me to disparage myself and my work and what I was doing because I wasn't doing enough to save the world. And so I finally kind of unhinged that and got rid of that. And that was a very very deep layer of the onion, I guess you could say, right? And a big deal for me, which is why I'm kind of going on about it. So, uh, okay. Sisyphus, that's it. Thanks, guys, for those. Yes, that's it. That guy. That was me up here, uh, uh, you know, uh, on this channel all this time. And that's what I'm talking about with the layers of stuff that come off, you know. This was, I, I, I had so deeply bought into it. Oh, thanks, Zeb. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate that support. Um I had bought so deeply into the idea of saving the world when I was 15 years old that I had actually forgotten that that was when it was installed, so to speak, when I was being recruited to be on staff, actually when I was 17 years old. So I was, I before that, I was not on a tear to save the world or, or even save anybody. I was just trying to live a life. I was going to be a writer. I wanted to write fiction books. That was my career trajectory. I had gone through wanting to be a movie maker, and then I, um, you know, was in high school, and I was writing, and I, I wrote stories. I loved writing, and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And then Scientology got hold of me and said, no, what you should do is save the world, right? And they showed me all these L. Ron Hubbard quotes and all this stuff, and I got on board with that. So fairly monumental moment for me, and so there you go. That happened in August, and in August, the bombshell we'd been waiting for. News that a lawsuit had been filed by four women against Scientologist actor Danny Masterson. Yes! And against the Church of Scientology for harassing them after they came forward with allegations that Masterson had raped them. And uh, that whole lawsuit is filed on Tony Ortega's blog. So that was a big deal because Danny Masterson has been dicked around with by the LAPD and by Jackie Lacey, the, the um, attorney general for L.A., 
for years they have been sitting on this. And it turns out, we found out later on Tony's blog, that Jackie Lacey has zero intention of prosecuting Danny Masterson, but doesn't have the guts to dismiss the case, so it's just sitting on her desk. And that is disgusting, because Danny Masterson is accused of rape, full-on sexual assault by four women. Actually, I think there's two more now. I think the total has now come up to six. Hey, thanks, Susan and Bob. Awesome, man. Thank you, guys. It's an awesome day for Super Chats. This is great. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. All right, so that lawsuit happened, right? And that's that's a civil lawsuit, which is in addition to the criminal charges. So hopefully what will happen is Jackie Lacey will get her ass kicked out of office, and the guy who was taking over or could could be voted in, hopefully, right, this guy Gil something, um, hopefully they will prosecute right, is what we're hoping for. And, you know, by prosecute, we really just mean give the victims their day in court. You know, it's not a certainty that he's going to be found guilty. Like, let's give them their day of justice. That is what this really should be all about. And I have been pushing on this as much as I can with my little voice through Twitter and through social media. But we really need pressure on this one because Danny Masterson is literally getting away with raping four women. And that is disgusting. So... There you go. At least I should say allegedly, okay? Um, Okay. Uh, What is this? uh, What what now? What your... (laughs) My skincare routine. That's funny. Okay. Uh, Okay, so also in August, I did this really nice interview with Natalie Feinblatt. That was a lot of fun. Natalie is a lot like Rachel Bernstein. She's a cult recovery therapist who uh, specializes in, in cult work. Knows what she's talking about on that. They're both in, Rachel and Natalie are both in Los Angeles. And um, August was another bombshell because that was when the Aftermath season finale finally aired. And that was when um, one of Danny Masterson's victims was given airtime for the first time. And Serge Gill, you might remember, was also featured. And he was somebody who had been assaulted sexually as a minor on the RPF at FLAG. And he had a lot to say about that. And he is very, very passionate about it. So um, Serge is still going great guns. I see him on Facebook and, and still talking up a storm and trying to push, you know, getting some legal reform in on Scientology. Okay, we are now up to September. This is going along pretty good, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, the Fishman deposition. I've talked about that before. It's it's uh, Fishman was a liar. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, September. Oh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss, snowing reporters. You know, it is so frustrating being a Scientology watcher and seeing how shallow celebrity media specifically is. These, the, it, it's, it's such a dog-wagging-the-tail sort of world that celebrity media lives in, that they all rely on the good favor of celebrities, so they never ask them the hard questions. Celebrities get away with all kinds of things, and Elizabeth Moss gets away with saying, quote, if I ever have a baby, though, I'm going to hold on to that thing for dear fucking life. I'll have it chained to me. It'll be a 50-year-old kid, and I'll be, no, you're staying with me. 
So she gets away with saying crap like this about how she, if she ever has a baby, she's going to love and cherish and hold on to it forever and no, and no way it's ever going to get away from her while she literally pays money and gives public support in interview after interview to an organization that enforces abortions and mandatory vasectomies within its ranks. This is what, this is what these actors get to get away with. And, you know, obviously you can see I'm frustrated about it because... It's just pure laziness and self-interest on the part of celebrity media that they do not call on the carpet celebrities who are involved in really criminal or outrageously immoral behavior. And they just let them get away with it. You know, Tom Cruise, same deal. John Travolta, same deal, right? They just let it, they don't ever like actually deal with it. And it's pretty pathetic. And I think uh, that it goes beyond any one reporter or one celebrity. I think it's a I think it's a systemic problem with celebrity media and the way it is designed to actually cater to celebrities rather than report news. And that's what that's so that's what we get, you know. All right. September was also when I got to interview Mark Bunker. He is now running for the city council in Clearwater, and I hope that anybody out there who has voting rights in Clearwater will. Uh, vote for him. Thank you very much, Nerman. Your best chat ever. Awesome, man. Okay, so let's move on. We had the third big lawsuit also came out in uh, September here against Scientology. This was a plaintiff who was a child and said she was sexually abused multiple times while she worked for Scientology. So this was filed in Miami, whereas the other two were in Los Angeles. And this firm operating out of Philadelphia is, is working with law firms around the country to get these lawsuits out, and there will be more coming. Now, the other thing that happened in September I want to share with you guys that we talked about a little bit at the time was uh, the first time that Melissa and I ever went to Europe. And I'm not going to go on a big roll about the about how fun it was to go to Spain and, and spend a week in Barcelona, but I am going to say that um, we learned a lot, and we had a really, really, really great time, and Europe is amazing, and my European friends are amazing, and um, we look forward to seeing more of Europe in the future. October. Okay. David Miscavige showed up at the annual IAS gathering in England. And um, Tom Cruise attended with children Isabella and Connor. First time ever that they all showed up. And again, this feeds into what I was talking about earlier where I truly believe that Cruz, Travolta, and all the other celebrities were, were kind of gathered up and were told in no uncertain terms, you guys publicly start showing up and supporting Scientology or there's going to be trouble. And Cruz took it upon himself to get his kids out in the public light. And, of course, you know, John Travolta had to, had to do the same. Um now, this was interesting. I'm going to go over this, but I'm going to try to do it quickly because I'm trying to move toward getting this thing uh, done because this is a big, long year. You know, a lot happened here. But this one was important, and this was that um, you might remember back in 2015, a man named Bob Duggan, uh, who is the most profitable, uh, rich Scientologist in the world, um, he gave, he planned to hold a million shares of the stock. Okay, Bob Duggan owns shares in Humira, the most profitable drug in the world. Okay, and he has a lot of money from this, lots and lots of money. And he put, he had a plan 
to hold a million shares of, of AbbVie, that's the name of the company, AbbVie stock, and funnel revenue from it to the Church of Scientology. So this was going to be a steady income stream to Scientology, no fail, no matter what. It was just, here's some stock, boom, there you go. Instead, what we found out in 2016, according to Tony Ortega's reporting, they just gave the stock directly to David Miscavige instead. So David Miscavige was just given this stock and he's just running with it and they're making uh, bank. And this is probably another reason why the pressure to bring in money at the events was able to chill out a little bit because this is a huge income stream for Scientology through this stock. And who knows what other investments. If you listen to the podcast I did with Jeff Wassel and Jeffrey Augustine about GBP Capital, we made some conjecture in there and also in the, in the podcast I did with Jeff on uh, Clearwater about Scientology investments and, and properties they could own and where else they could make money. Because it turns out, you know, we found out the Mormon church a few weeks ago, billion, you know, $100 billion just sitting around that they're making off of properties and investments and, and um, interest off of accounts. Just straight up interest is giving them more money than they're making through tithing. So Scientology doesn't tithe, but they, you know, push people for money. But now they're getting these stocks and this other in, these other income streams, and it's kind of interesting what's happening with that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that there's stuff going on behind the scenes we don't know anything about yet as to um, other Scientology income streams or where else they might be making money from. And if it's anything like the, the revelations about the Mormon church, which I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised by at all, then Scientology might have a lot more than just $3 billion in reserves. They might have a significantly more. Um, okay, October, let's see how we doing here. Uh, Shelly Miscavige, yeah. I am so done talking about Shelly Miscavige. Okay, uh, Sarah Landry interview also was in October, and that was not a Scientology-related thing, but I thought it was a very significant interview because that was an interview with a woman who was talking about a cult leader who was literally running into hiding, this Nithyananda guy, um, in real time and is being pursued by Indian authorities. So it'll be interesting to see what, what comes with that. But the big, huge thing for October for me was the biggest video dump at one time. I posted 14 videos on my channel giving the complete history of Dianetics and Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard in one set of videos. I think it was eight videos. And then my whole story from beginning to end, the whole thing. And I'd never done that before on my channel all the way through. I've talked about bits and pieces of all of these things. I've talked about my story in certain ways and, and, summar and summarized it in many, many ways. But I had never gotten into the details of all of it. So that was a lot of fun to do and put out there. And that's now out there in perpetuity. So, um, so yeah, you guys can, can check those things out. But that's, that's the whole story. And I, I, it was really something that it took me you know, six years on YouTube to finally get that all out there. But it was a, it was a monstrous work. It took weeks to, of, of interviews to get that stuff all put together, but it was a lot of fun. Um, okay, so coming up now on November and December, wrapping up this last year, 
Scientology in Clearwater. There was the big story on November 1st about how all this property in, Scientology, in Clearwater was owned by Scientology. Like a huge chunk of downtown Clearwater is owned by Scientologists or the Church of Scientology and nobody knew that it was happening. And uh, that was quite something. Uh, let's see here. Then there was some back and forth on legal. Uh, November was also when Beck publicly uh, said he was not a Scientologist. And November was the month that I got to do the Teal Swan podcast. And I mentioned that only because so many people have asked me about Teal Swan over the years. And I finally hooked up with a former member of Teal Swan's group and did a pretty extensive interview out laying out what Teal Swan's whole scam is. And it's pretty scammy, actually. She's she's really quite uh, something, that lady. So then we go into December. Yes, the Mormons also own a percentage of the state of Florida. I, I do know that. It is crazy. Uh, yes, that John Atak interview. Okay, so then December... Uh, coming up to a close here, two more women cooperating with the uh, LAPD investigation of Danny Masterson. So now there are six women accusing him of sexual impropriety or much worse. Um, and this is December. This, this month, this last month is when we found out that Jackie Lacey had no intention of charging Danny Masterson. And that was when we did the Martial Arts Cult podcast and the John Atack podcast on brainwashing. And that is probably the most thorough talk on brainwashing I have ever done. And it was with uh, the, the person who knows more about it than probably anybody else I know, John Atack. And I thought, I thought we covered some very, very good ground. We did a three-hour podcast uh, talking about this stuff, two and a half, three hours. And... Um, we also talked uh, about some Scientology stuff in that podcast about L. Ron Hubbard in the 1950s that I did not know. John was giving me stuff I had never heard before. So that's a podcast that you'll definitely want to check out. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. These are some great comments here. You guys are so awesome. Um, okay. So that was basically the year. Finally, uh, the last thing I'll leave on for this last year was Bernie Headley died. And he was a friend. He lived here in Colorado Springs. This is Mark Headley's father. He finally succumbed to his battles, his numerous battles with cancer. Such a nice man. And finally actually did, I believe, get to talk to his estranged daughter, who had totally disconnected from him as a Scientologist. Um, but he, I think he got to talk to her in his final hours. And he died uh, happy and satisfied and um, and comfortably. He fell asleep and, and he was gone. I'm going to miss Bernie. He was a good guy. Um, okay, so goals for 2020. Let's get to wrapping this stuff up here. Uh, let's not be talking crap about angry gay pope, guys. Come on. Uh, yeah, okay, good. We're going we're gonna to say you're gone. Uh, user. Okay. Bye-bye, Dead Space. I don't need somebody trolling me while I'm trying to get this done. Okay, 2020, guys. What are we going to do this next year? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, this is going to be a crazy year. I've got some wild things planned already. This is going to be a busy year. I talked last year about expanding this channel, and I think I very comfortably and, and, and I think uh, ably did so. I think we had a good year this year on my channel. I'm very, very happy with the content I put up on Scientology and otherwise. And so far, um, 
you know, the channel is just continuing to grow. You guys are just continuing to mostly give me positive feedback, and I pay a lot of attention to the critical remarks. Um, and I try to tune and, and, and change what I'm doing in response to what you guys want within reason, of course. Um, but this year is going to be quite something. We're going to be continuing to expand the content on extra to Scientology stuff. We're going to be, um, concentrating a lot more this year on, I, I thought I would, as a New Year's resolution this year, I'm going to try to really work on not assuming things. I thought that would be my critical thinking task for this year is let's see if I can work on not assuming things because I'm going to share something with you guys that I think is really important and that I've learned this last year. And that is that for a long time, I was working on critical thinking from, the, from a Scientology viewpoint. And let me explain. Um, Scientology is about finding things within yourself that are non-optimum or non-ideal and removing them so that you will be optimum or ideal. But that's not really how this works. And my attitude and my approach was off, right? In trying to think of how do I get rid of cognitive dissonance? How do I stop people from engaging in motivated reasoning? How do we stop people from falling, in other words, for stupid ideas or falling for destructive ideas or, or, or being brainwashed? How do we do it? You know, it's a tough question. And I came to learn that the mental mechanisms that are in place, the cognitive dissonance, the motivated reasoning, the undue influence, coercive persuasion, all of these mechanisms exist because we have the capability of logical reasoning and thinking and rationality. If we, they are the flip side. They're the bad end. They are the, the other side of the coin to rational thinking, right? Because we can think in sequences, because we can contemplate two opposing ideas at the same time and resolve them somehow, because we have the ability to do that, we also suffer from cognitive dissonance where we can't resolve those two pieces of information and they make a dissonance, they make a noise and it makes us uncomfortable and it makes us a little crazy and we sometimes choose very, very wrongly. But that's only because we have the ability to make decisions in the first place, right? We have the ability to contemplate ideas. We have imagination to invent new ideas or combine old ideas into new forms. Beca you know, so it's, so they're really all part of the same whole. There is no going in and, and excoriating or, or, or coring out your brain to take out the bad parts or to take out the illogical parts or to take out the emotions or any of that. It's all one and the same thing. And once that became super, super clear to me, then I realized the goal is not to, like Scientology, go in and remove something from you or try to take something away from you. Instead, what we have to learn how to do is just be able to think better, <laughs> you know? We got we to gotta learn about these things so that we recognize them when we see them, when they're happening in our own heads. The cognitive dissonance, the motivated reasoning, the justifications of, of really nonsensical stuff that we all engage in. So for me, my first foray into this for the new year as a, as a resolution is to try to stop assuming things. And, um, and we're going to see how that works. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to, to, to 
purposefully keep that front and center and see how it goes. And I'll, I'll report back to you guys on that. Um, but there we go. I'm uh, looking at your comments here. And all right. Um, why not advise other people on how to create great channels like yours? I do. People contact me all the time and ask me about building their own channels. And I give them advice free of charge, probably because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Okay, so um, okay, so this next year, other things going on this year. I think so. This year is going to be about being rather than doing, so to speak. Right? I'm not going to put out a bunch of goals for this year, and if I don't make them, then I had a failed year. In other words, right? I'm not doing that. I'm going to just I'm you know casting off the whole save the planet thing, and um, so here's what we've got on February eighth. Here locally in Colorado, I'm going to be I'm going to be speaking at an at a conference on undue influence, and I will get more contact information out about that conference uh, when it comes closer to time. Then I will potentially, uh, hopefully, very very strongly, uh, everything's in the works to make this happen. That I want to do a UK book tour uh, this summer. I want to I want to do a few stops. A uh, friend of mine, John uh, Stewart, is helping me with that. And, um, in fact, he's kind of creating it out of whole cloth. And I really hope that that comes off and that works out. So that should be this uh, late summer. Excuse me. Burping here. There will be an International um, Cultic Studies Association conference in Montreal, Canada, on July 2nd through the 4th. And I will be speaking on a panel there. And I will very much look forward to being there. So if you guys are coming to the ICSA conference in Montreal or Cannes, that is in July. There is possibly, I will possibly be going to SciCon in uh, Las Vegas in October. And finally, I'm going to leave you guys in a uh, horrible, horrible mystery um, that will slowly unfold over the year. And we will get the timing on this all figured out. But all I'm going to tease you with right now is... Um, is that Melissa and I are contemplating a very big adventure, really big, and uh, and we're like like we're really looking forward to some stuff, and um, and that'll be that'll be not that the the actual happening of that big adventure will not be this next year. We're just going to be spending all year prepping, so there's going to be some um, uh, there's going to be some fun announcements uh, on a personal level for Melissa and I. Uh, to you guys as the year rolls out and as these things shape up. And uh, it would just be irresponsible for me to share all the plans right now because we need them all to solidify before I go sharing them. But I wanted to put that out there for you guys. 2019, as uh, somebody comments here, not a great year for Scientology. It really was not. They got hit with some very, very serious lawsuits. Scientology in the Aftermath wrapped up, but it's not like it went anywhere. It's on Netflix. I mean, people still see this stuff. There are two Facebook groups uh, that I am part of that are all about that show, and the numbers just keep going up in terms of membership in those groups. I share my work there every day. So um, interest in Scientology, interest in destructive cults is at an all-time high, as far as I can tell, and I'm kind of in that world, so I think I, I, think I know about that. Um, we are going to see. Um, I am not answering any guesses. Do not ask me any any guesses about my about the big adventure. We will we will roll it out. 
Um, it, uh, <laughs> I'm not answering your questions. Okay. Uh, it's hard for me because I'm so used to answering your guys' questions. Anyway, um, yeah, 2019, not a great year for Scientology at all with the lawsuits and with the the the, the stuff that's been hitting them and is going to continue hitting them. And we're just going to keep, I, I you know, we just want to keep the pain rolling for 2020 on that front. And... You know, and, and who knows? You might see my name mentioned in some other places this year for in connection with some of some of that stuff. So we'll see what happens. I have had a great time doing this live stream with you guys. Thank you very much for coming around and watching me babble on and on and on about this last year. This was a lot of fun. And I'm glad I got to do this live with you guys because I get to I get the feedback and stuff as I'm going. Um I wish Melissa could have been here. She's not feeling really well, and that's that's just kind of how it worked out. Um, if she could have, she would have. So uh, we will arrange more podcasts with her and I um, over this next year as well because I love uh, having her on my show and I think you guys like seeing her too uh, instead of just my ugly mug. And uh, there we go. So um, with all of that being said, let's go ahead and wrap up, guys. Like I said, thanks for coming around. And... Um, any questions, comments, or feedback for those who are listening on the non-live stream, leave them in the comment section below, and I will get to them. Um, and let's let's do 2020 in a really big way this year. Let's have a great year. That's what I'm for. I, I, I think I think 2020 could be. I think 2020 could be incredible. So let's uh, let's see if we can make it happen. Okay, guys. Talk at you later. Bye bye.